Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson this morning, we, we meet John the Baptist and we find him in the wilderness. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, The rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, it's already been a busy weekend in the Osborne household. Why, you ask? Well, because our children, our three children, have been participating in a large-scale production called The Spirit of Christmas. And The Spirit of Christmas is is a big deal uh, in in the place that we live. Uh, People line up uh, when tickets go on sale to be the first ones to get in, to be able to buy a ticket to this thing. And, and they have a lot of performances. So it's been a marathon of performances after a marathon of weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of preparation and rehearsals and dress rehearsals and things like that. And, and so the Spirit of Christmas is held at a church. And last week, I heard the pastor of that church say that, you know what, it seems like we do this thing, and they've been doing it for 30 years. This is the 30th anniversary of that. He said it seems like 15 minutes after we finish one year, it's time to start again for the spirit of Christmas the following year. And I was thinking about that as I, as I watched uh, the performance yesterday afternoon, uh, probably 100, 150 people involved in this thing. I was thinking about all the hours of preparation that have gone in, uh, from, from the music to building the sets to the publicity to learning the lines to, to all of it, all of the, of the time that has, has gone in. And it wouldn't take really a, a PhD in statistics to figure out that, that thousands and thousands of collective hours have been spent in preparation. Well, today, Malachi, uh, you heard that Old Testament lesson earlier in, in Luke that I just read, they speak of another sort of preparation. Malachi writes, see, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming. Now, Malachi, in the Old Testament, Malachi anticipates the messenger, but Luke, Luke names him clearly. His name is John the Baptist, and he is sent to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, the writers of two of the other Gospels, Mark and Matthew, they talk about John the Baptist, and they go into some detail about John the Baptist that we often find interesting, how he was so strangely dressed, how, how he ate locusts and wild honey and, and, and lived out in, in the woods and, and things like that. 
But Luke, St. Luke, doesn't say much about all that. Instead, what Luke chooses to do, if you've ever noticed, is Luke chooses to quote a longer passage from Isaiah's prophecy after he introduces John the Baptist. Now, why does he do that? Why does he do that? Well, Luke finds it obviously important to make crystal clear for the people of, of that age and also for us that John the Baptist was indeed the fulfillment of the prophecy of the messenger who would come before the Messiah. In the season of Advent, we, we spend a lot of time trying to compare the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah coming and the reality as it's fulfilled in the New Testament. And if you've ever studied that, you know that that, that indeed is true, that, that Jesus Christ lines up exactly with, with, with tons and tons and tons of, of prophecies right down, to the, right down to the most minute detail. We see that. But here, we're not quite at the Messiah yet. We're, we're talking about a prophecy about the one who will come to prepare the way for the Messiah. So again, quoting, quoting Isaiah, St. Luke writes, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. We're in the month of December, all of us, and December is a month of of many preparations. There are presents to buy. There are, are trees to put up and, and to decorate. There are people to visit, meals to prepare. Advent, the season that, that we're in, Advent is about preparation too, but it's about a different kind of preparation than buying stocking stuffers or pie filling. John the Baptist calls us to prepare for a new sort of world order one in which Jesus and love, not consumerism and not self-interest, rule forever. You know, people call this season of the year the most wonderful time of the year, where people become just a little bit more open and people become just a little bit more generous. There's something special about this time of year, but make no mistake, the kind of preparation you and I are to be about as we really prepare again for the Christ child is not that kind of sugar-coated, hallmark, channel-infused sort of Christmas, but it's something much deeper than that. So what is it? What is this preparation we need to do this, this Advent? And how is John the Baptist calling us to prepare not just for Jesus to come this Christmas, but ultimately for Jesus to come again as his second coming, as we talked about last week. Well, one way that you and I can prepare for Advent this year is, is in a very personal way. Pre preparing for, for Christ to speak to us on a very individual level. Now, take a minute and, and examine your life, and if you do that, if you do that, many of you can probably, if you're being perfectly honest, you could probably add something to your life in order to prepare for the Messiah to come again. Maybe it's some prayer time that you could add. Maybe, maybe you're so busy right now and you're running whatever. Maybe your prayer time has been suffering, and maybe you can add some prayer time each day. Maybe you can add some caring for those who are less fortunate. And maybe even somebody 
in your own family. But you know what? As, in as much as I think we can all prepare by adding something, I think many of us, perhaps most of us, can also prepare by taking something away. Maybe it's turning off the TV or, or, the, or the gaming system or, or logging out of social media. Maybe it's, it's being intentionally just a little bit more present with people during this season. Maybe it's taking away that stressor in your life that, that makes you cranky. Maybe that's the way you prepare. Probably one of the most famous Christmas carols is called Joy to the World. It was written by Isaac Watts. And in that famous carol, it has the line, you all know it, let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. Now, that carol was written a few hundred years ago, but I suspect that even a few hundred years ago, even in that culture, which wasn't as, as fast-paced and crazy as our culture is today in 2018, even back then, Isaac Watts knew. He knew that, that hearts had to be opened in order to prepare again for the good news of Jesus. So a lot of times what we do when we prepare our hearts, when every heart preparing room, when, when we prepare our hearts, what we have to do is we have to, to, to go in there and we have to kind of clean out the clutter and we have to, to get rid of the debris that separates us from God. Now, according to, to St. Luke's Gospel, John the Baptist went around preaching and what he was preaching about, Luke said, was was a baptism of repentance. Well, what does that word mean? That, that's a churchy word, repentance. Well, to repent means to literally stop and turn and, and go the other way. Okay, so, so when we're engaged in something that we shouldn't be engaged in or, or we're, we're separated from God in some sort of way, we repent. And by repenting, it means we, we stop and, and we, we turn. And in the process of that, we ask for God's forgiveness. Now, the word in Greek that means forgiveness, it comes from a word that, that literally means to let go, to let go. So this Advent, what you and I have to do is we have to let go of our sins. We have to let go of anything else in our heart that holds us back from making space for the Christ child. If any of you have ever prepared in your lives for the arrival of a baby to come into your home, you know that there's a lot of preparation that takes place. And in our lives, when, when our twins were coming, we had double the preparation to do. There were, there were not one but two bedrooms that had to be cleaned out and turned into nurseries and, and, and two cribs that had to be gotten and, and, and all this stuff, all this preparation. But the preparation always begins with cleaning out and making room. Why do we make room? Because we're adding. We're adding into our lives something that is very important to us. Now think for a minute. I started off talking about the spirit of Christmas and how our kids are, are participating in that, and there's even yet another performance to go. Think about if all those singers had just shown up one day, maybe back in August or September, 
somebody had handed out the music and said, okay, here's your music, this is what you're going to sing, see you in December. And nothing happened until they showed up for the first performance. So I suggest to you that if it had been done that in that manner, it probably would not have sounded very good. A story is told about a, a choir director one time who, who was leading a choir, and his choir was pretty good, and they were pretty renowned, but, but the choir director was worried that his choir members, some of them were getting a little too full of themselves. Not that that's possible for artists to ever do, to get too full of themselves, but let's just pretend that in this hypothetical case that that's, that's really going on, that these, these singers, some of them were getting a little too full of themselves. And so the way the choir director decided to deal with that situation is he decided to have all the singers come up in front of the entire choir and to each sing individually a particularly difficult piece of music. Now, while some of the singers did, did okay with it, most of them kind of struggled when they were in that sort of environment. And the, the point the director was trying to make is that together, collectively, collectively, we make beautiful music. We're stronger together than we are with just any one voice. Why do I tell you that story? Well, it's because Advent is indeed about the individual side of preparation. It's about clearing out the junk from our hearts and from our minds that separate us from God. It's, it's about adding some spiritual disciplines into our lives. But it's not just about that. It's not just about that because it's also about preparing not just us and not just our deal, but preparing the world to receive Christ again. So if John the Baptist, imagine for a moment, if John the Baptist were only concerned about preparing his own heart, his own individual preparation for Jesus, well, the world back in the first century would have been even less prepared to receive the Messiah than it was. John, though, was about spreading the word of Jesus to others. Again, Luke quoted Isaiah saying, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight, and every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Advent isn't only about our individual prep work. Christ's coming affects every valley and every mountain. For that matter, every, every snowflake and every ice patch. All people, everywhere. Prepare the way of the Lord. I'm guessing at this point, more than a few of you are probably thinking, okay, fine, preacher. You're right. We have to go prepare the world, but I'm not ready. If I'm being perfectly honest, my heart's not ready and, and my mind's not ready. I don't feel ready at all. I, I feel the opposite of ready. I feel completely unready. And because I'm not ready, because I'm not prepared, how am I to go out and prepare the way of the Lord for anybody else? So, so just, just for this Christmas, I think I'll just focus on me. And I'll try to get ready, and I'll do better next Christmas. Well, you know, when we, when we talk like that, I think sometimes it does. It comes from a very deep place of humility in our lives, and, and that is not a bad thing. But, but recognize this, that even in that humility, that sort of thinking can hold us back 
sometimes. Now, don't worry. I promise I'm not going to ask you to go bake some cookies and go knocking on your neighbor's door and to, to go with a big smile on your face and present them with, with a plate of cookies and, and say, here are your Christmas cookies. Oh, by the way, how are you with the Lord? I'm not going to do that because even if I could find folks to actually sign up to do that on the sign-up sheet, I really don't think you'd probably, for the most part, be received very well. I think that you'd probably be putting your neighbors on the defensive pretty quick. But, but here's the thing. Preparing for Jesus individually is great and all, but what's the point? What's the point if it's only about us and only about our salvation? What's the point? If the good news of Christmas is that God sends God's Son to show us how to live, to save us, to give us eternal life, then it seems like the most selfish thing in the world we could do is not share that good news. Of course, you and I, we don't have to prepare the whole world ourselves. That's the good news of this message. We don't have to prepare the whole world ourselves. Our church isn't just a church in one place. We're part of a larger body, the body of Christ, what I like to call the capital C church. And the capital C church, my friends, is, is the largest and the most powerful network in the world. There's no company in the world, no matter how high-flying their stock price is, there's no company in the world that's bigger than the church. There's no organization in the world that's bigger than the church. The church is the most powerful network in the world. Pastor Rick Warren, writing in Forbes magazine a few years ago on the 50th anniversary of that publication, made that point very clearly. The entire issue was dedicated to networks. And he said, the church is the biggest network in the world. And if we could ever figure out how to be unified, if we could ever figure out how to actually work together, there's no stopping what we could do. Here in our church, we're part of a Christian denomination called the Church of the Brethren. And, and we're part of a district, and then we're part of a larger piece of a denomination as churches, not just in this country, but around the world. And, and, and so when we give our money, we give our offerings to that, then, then that multiplies the effort, and it goes to places where we can't go. It goes to places like Nigeria, where the church is growing there, but it's a very dangerous place right now to be a Christian. It goes to Nigeria, where they're training pastors and they're opening churches, or it goes to our district, and from our district it goes to the Congo, where a church has been built, and a second one, is already under construction with the leftover funds from the first church that were being built. Now, we're, we're not all called individually to be missionaries to other places, but we are all called to serve Jesus Christ by blooming where we are planted. So maybe, maybe we can extend a little bit more hospitality to those in our community who aren't connected to a church, or maybe even welcoming further those who are part of the church. Maybe we can increase our giving to aid organizations or our local community, or, or maybe we can sponsor a missionary abroad. There are plenty 
of ways to prepare. I said earlier that Luke quotes a longer section of Isaiah than the other gospel writers. The verse reads, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Did you catch the good news there? Did you catch the good news? All flesh shall see the salvation of God. In the days ahead, you're going to walk around and people a hundred different ways and a hundred different times are going to ask you the question, are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? And you have a big smile on your face, but you're thinking, no, I'm not. I'm not ready at all. But the good news of this message today is Christmas does not depend on you being ready or me being ready. Christmas is going to come anyway. The Christ child is going to come. You don't have to be ready. But you do have to prepare. You don't have to be ready. But you do have to prepare. Prepare your heart. Prepare the world. Because, my friends, the good, great, wonderful, eternal news is that Jesus is coming. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 